Welcome to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Get expert advice on a variety of topics and hear what Ottawa business people have to offer. Ask questions, get answers. This is Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Good afternoon. Dave walks with you once again with another timely hour of information on something we'll all most likely encounter at one time or another, managing property and assets of a loved one or friend at passing. Now, knowledge is the key when dealing with and managing all forms of state's law. This monthly series of special shows helps shed light on how to navigate this often difficult process smartly and efficiently. We're pleased to welcome back Neil Milton, founder of Milton's Estates Law, based right here in the Ottawa area. And the key, of course, is making wise decisions to ensure all wishes and demands are met. Decisions that will greatly reduce potential stress or heartache. So, here we go this hour, another word we all know and what it means, the role it plays. We're going to look into the function of an executor. So, good afternoon once again, Neil. Great to chat with you here on CFRA. Good afternoon, Dave. I really enjoy talking to you about estate law. And I always enjoy our conversations as well, Neil. So, right off the bat, what is an executor? Yeah, so you mentioned heartache and grief, and and this is of all the sections that we're going to talk about. This is the the biggest deal, both for the person who is the executor and for the beneficiaries of the estate. Obviously, the deceased, it's they don't suffer a great deal of heartache and grief at this state. Um, David Chilton, the wealthy barber you might have heard of, he described being in a, and acting as an executor as the worst experience of his life. So hopefully I can help people experience it a little less painfully. So an executor, an executor is the person named in the will by the testator, the person who dies, uh, who they think, and I use that word uh, judiciously, think or suggest should administer their estate. So the executor is the person uh, named in the estate, uh, named in the will. And the uh, courts normally defer to that suggestion, but uh, obviously there are circumstances where they're not going to defer or it's not possible to defer. And and we then have a court appointment uh, always. So the, the, the will doesn't govern or doesn't bind people. It's a suggestion. But ultimately, you need an estate trustee, and that's the, the the name we give in Ontario to the person who's appointed by the court to administer the estate. Uh, so whether there's a will or not, you know, if there's no will, well, then you're not going to have an executor. There's no one named in the will. And equally, sometimes the executor is either unable or una- unwilling to act or unsuitable, and people oppose their their appointment. So really important to keep keep those two words uh, separate because many, many people have heard the word executor, but the modern term, which is different in Ontario, is a state trustee. Now, is that the same, um, Neil, in all provinces, essentially, or is Ontario unique in that? 
No, essentially, in all provinces except Quebec, so in all the common law provinces, you more or less have the same uh, divided structure. You would have a similar structure in the UK. So you have the person who's named in the will, and then you have the ultimate court appointment, which nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100 follows the will. But where there's no will or in cases where that executor isn't suitable, uh, you'll have someone else. And, and ultimately, the person and we discussed this before, it's the court order, not the will, that gives someone the authority to do what the deceased could do. I mean, you can't just run around and sell houses, even if you're named in the will as the executor. You're going to need a court order that says, yes, you're the estate trustee. Now you can go off and sell the house that was owned by the deceased. Interesting. So now an estate trustee then is something or as a person or an individual or an entity that is pretty well needed all the time with every situation. Pretty well in every every estate that needs to be administered. And we're going to talk later about what the, the details of administration. But, you know, the, the authority to gather the assets, pay the debts and uh, distribute to the beneficiaries. That's what administering an estate means. And that person has to be the estate trustee if the whole is, if there really is no estate if all the assets pass to um, outside the estate because they were jointly owned the house or beneficiary designations for the tfsa well then there's there's nothing for an estate trustee to do also of course if the estate's bankrupt uh, which is a common uh, situation unfortunately uh, you wouldn't have an estate trustee appointed you might have a bankruptcy trustee appointed but you won't have an estate trustee. Um, so anytime there's an estate to administer, yes, you need an estate trustee. So who would be a trustee? Uh, well, it, it can be any any competent adult over 18. Uh, uh, if there's a will, and then they don't have to be resident in Ontario. If there is no will, with a few crazy exceptions, they need to be uh, resident in Ontario. That's so the courts can keep control over them and ensure that they do what they say they're going to do. Um, it can be any uh, individual over 18. That doesn't mean it should be any individual over, you know, adult. Um, it needs to be someone uh, who is trustworthy and trusted. So I, I distinguish those two. It needs to be someone who's competent and trustworthy and can do the job, but also that the beneficiaries trust to actually do the job. Otherwise, the whole process is beset with uh, rancor and, and, uh, and concern, you know, all the time. And it's not good to go have your estate administered in a circumstance where everyone's sniping and, and doesn't believe that anyone's treating them fairly. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious, Neil, do things get complicated in this area uh, when we're talking interprovincial? I'm thinking, you know, property owned in Quebec, perhaps, or in Ontario, yeah. living on the other side. And how does all that come together in yeah, relation to a trustee. Sorry to sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, it can be very complicated and and it's one of the reasons that we frequently encourage people to have multiple wills when you have assets in multiple jurisdictions, you know, whether it's a cottage in Quebec or a timeshare in Florida or a condo in Arizona, uh you know, really, is it this, is one person the right person to do with all those things? Um, and the same is true if you own shares in a private business, for instance. Uh, you might very well say, no, I should have someone else, not my, 
not my spouse, for instance, uh, administering that because they have to run the business while they put it up for sale. So it's, it is certainly possible to have multiple trustees, not super common, but it is the minute you have assets in multiple jurisdictions, multiple provinces in different states, and even more so if they're in Europe, uh, you, know, you have a place in Greece or something, um, it's important to think very seriously about whether you should have multiple trustees. Our guest on News Talk 580 CFRA's Experts on Call this hour is Neil Milton. He's the founder of Milton's Estates Law. And we'll carry on our conversation with Neil right after the break on News Talk 580 CFRA. We'll return with more Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. This hour, we're in conversation with Neil Milton. He's the founder of Milton's Estates Law on News Talk 580 CFRA's Experts on Call. Neil, let's talk about funerals and burial. One of the key things about funeral and burial is it comes up really fast and often uh, before you even have a chance to find out if there is a will or who's the executor named in the will. Um, and so often uh, someone uh, has to just jump in and make arrangements. Uh, if the will is available and it's known, then the executor is the person who has the both the right and the obligation to make arrangements. And little known fact is that they have the right and obligation more or less to make whatever arrangements they decide are suitable as long as they the cost is reasonable. And that's about as weaselly as I can get. Uh, their reasonable costs having regard to a whole bunch of factors, basically how much money the estate has. Um, and uh, so if, if someone else has to jump in and make those arrangements, they're entitled to reimbursement. They're entitled to be paid by the estate uh, for making the funeral and burial arrangements. Again, assuming they don't go crazy and, you know, arrange a, a 50 car procession um, when the estate can't afford it. Sounds to me like it could get complicated uh, unnecessarily, but I guess if they take the <laughs> steps one step at a time, then it'll all come together. Yeah, it's one of those perfect examples of a theme that we've been talking about throughout. You know, if you make arrangements, if you tell your loved ones what you want, uh, maybe even make pre prepay, then it's easy. You know, if you've told your family or your family gets along and they know what they want to do, then it's really very straightforward. And if you haven't made any of those arrangements and your family doesn't know or uh, the executor can't be found um, and they're estranged from the deceased or something, then it can get extremely messy. So you see the full range in this little issue from very straightforward to very complicated and very controversial. Let's talk about probate, Neil, and how that uh, comes into the equation as we talk about uh, the trustee. Right. So probate, of course, is the process of getting a court order that names uh, the person as the estate trustee. And as I said before, with preference given to the person who is the named executor in the will. So uh, it's important that they move forward uh, diligently, whoever is going to be the estate trustee, to probate the estate. And diligently doesn't mean within 
hours of the deceased passing away, but it also means within uh, weeks or months and not years. So if two years have gone by and no, and the executor hasn't bothered to probate, uh, then the court is going to look pretty askance at that. And and I talked earlier about you know the the court might very well say, well, this named executor is not the right person. We're going to appoint someone else. There's an example. If you've waited two years, you have to get the application together, and it it it's a it's a classic sort of court or uh, government form. You know, you have to fill in all these details and um, put some dollar values on things, uh, say who you are and where you live, and some details about the deceased with a death certificate. Uh, there's a good example of how these things can be uh, more made more complicated than they need to be. Most funeral homes will give you multiple copies of the death certificate, and that's sufficient. Uh, you don't need a government-issued death certificate that you get from the province of Ontario. That'll take you months, so don't wait for that. You, you get this application together, and you and you file it. And it's a thing that you can do yourself. Uh, you know, I like to say you can do almost anything yourself, even your own dentistry. The question is whether it's a good idea or not. So to give you an idea, I mean, we file a couple hundred probate applications for clients uh, a year. Uh, they just reach out to us and say, I'd like some help. And we say, great, we'll give you some help uh, preparing and filing the application. And so that's a common role that lawyers play in the process is helping people file their probate application. I just want to go back, Anil, to something you mentioned a couple of minutes ago regarding death certificates. Um, and the funeral homes often provide multiple copies of them. Are scanned or photocopied copies of death certificates appropriate? Well, uh, ultimately, no, but in the short run, yes. So uh, in particular, like many, many things that have changed dramatically in the last two years, probate applications are now actually filed online. Uh, so you're not obviously going to file an original death certificate when you're filing it online, but it needs to be uh, a scan of an original and you need to have it available if the court requests it, especially if your application is challenged or contested. So uh, uh, what um, that's one of the reasons that that uh, most uh, funeral homes say give you multiple original copies with the signature of the uh, uh, funeral director on them. All right. Let's talk about assets now and uh, take a look at them and the, the collection process. Clearly, the thing that gets most uh, beneficiaries interested and excited is is about getting paid and getting some money. And that comes from this process of collecting assets. Um, for many people, it's quite straightforward. You know where their house is, you know maybe where their bank account is, and you know where their car is. Um, if, for other people, if it can be extremely complicated, and it's really unfortunate if you make it some kind of Easter egg hunt uh, for the the uh, trustee, where they're basically in the dark looking around to try to find out whether you had uh, money at certain places. And I think it's uh, amazing number of people don't realize that the mere fact that you have an insurance policy, for instance, is not going to be obvious to someone the day after you pass away. So if you haven't left any evidence that you bought a life insurance policy 20 years ago, no one's going to know about it. And and the same is true with bank accounts. So it's uh, <laughs> it, it's really helpful if you've left some uh, uh, 
uh, clear instructions as to what you own, what you own and where it is and how to how to get it uh, with uh, account numbers and things of that nature. Otherwise, as say it becomes quite an exercise for the trustee to try to reach out and find out where things might be and how to get them. You know, that's a great idea. Just document everything on a piece of paper, essentially, perhaps uh, in a file somewhere, uh, put it in an envelope and stick it in a safety deposit box uh, and for access at the time when it's needed. Exactly. And then there's no mystery to it. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything fancy or complicated. It's just um, just the list, or, you know, just just the, the documentation. Often even the simplest is just the statements. I'm curious about debts and liabilities, Neil, and I'm thinking, you know, identifying them and paying them, canceling accounts and liabilities. That's got to be quite a process as well. It is a fair process, although it's it's sometimes not as big a deal as as a lot of people think. Um, it's important, though, that the estate trustee issue needs to bring an end to debts and and expenses running. So you shouldn't one of the I would separate canceling subscriptions, for instance. You don't want the cable bill or the Netflix bill to keep running indefinitely. Uh, on the other hand, for instance, you need to keep the heat on before you sell the house. Um, so many uh, of those, first of all, you have to find out what they are, then need to end the ones that are increasing all the time. Then you need to make a list of the debts and hopefully have a plan in place for how you're going to pay them, whether now or later as cash uh, comes in, into the estate and Obviously, mortgages and lines of credit and tax arrears are often property tax arrears paid when uh, real property, when the house or whatever is sold. Um, but it's crucial that you find them all and pay them all. And so uh, often, in fact, the general practice is an estate trustee will advertise for creditors. So you may have seen those little ads in the newspaper. There's actually now an online method to do the same, which is very convenient, uh, to file a little notice saying anyone having a claim against the estate of Jane Doe, uh, you know, here's my, I am the trustee, submit your claim to me within three months or forever hold your peace kind of thing. And and that's a very important step to take to protect the trustee from claims down the road because the trustee has the obligation of ensuring that all debts are paid before any beneficiary gets paid. Oh, well, that makes sense. Total sense. And again, it's a great idea to put all these things, uh, document them all in advance for those that are left to process everything at the end of it all. Yes, yes, indeed. And so documentation helps a lot. I mean, some people worry a great deal about uh, canceling things in a way to avoid uh, identity theft. You have to, I think, be realistic about whether that really mattered in the in the circumstances or not, because actually reaching out, for instance, to a credit card to cancel the account is quite a bit more work than just cutting out the card and, and paying the last statement. So if you cut up the card and pay the last statement, most trustees say, well, I've done, I've done my deed and I'm off the hook. If you are really concerned that there might be, uh, say, identity theft or someone making additional charges on the card or against that account, then you probably have to take quite a bit more effort to reach out to the card issuer and ensure the account is canceled. But, you know, this, and the same is true with social insurance numbers. I almost never bother to go to great lengths to cancel it. I simply 
start filing tax returns of the deceased and make sure that CRA understands that the deceased is no longer, you know, no longer alive. So we've moved into a trust situation. And that, that just is one of these situations about trustees have to decide that their own uh, risk tolerance, how, how concerned they are about reasonable risk, real risk, not fake risk, and uh, take reasonable steps to address real risk. Experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Our guest is Neil Milton, Milton's Estates Law. He's the founder. And we'll be right back with more on Experts on Call. We'll return with more Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Experts on Call continues on News Talk 580 CFRA with Neil Milton, our guest. He's the Milton's Estates Law founder. Very interesting conversation. If you're just joining us, this is stuff you'll need to know over the course of a lifetime for just about any of us, just about all of us. <laughs> Let's talk about taxes, Neil. Uh, the preparation of taxes and filing returns and so on and so forth. Is that a daunting task or can it be managed fairly easily? Well, I would, I would lean it towards the daunting actually for most people because unless you enjoy filing your own tax returns, you're going to find filing your, your mom's tax return even more painful. Um, so it's, um, it's not particularly pleasant. And this is one of the things that I always uh, point to. And I say, you know, are you sure this is the right person to be the executor? Is this the person who should be the estate trustee? Because it's not some kind of an honor or something you, you, uh, you know, you, you say I should, my best caregiver should necessarily be my estate trustee. The kind of work that needs to be done is the kind of nitty gritty of filing tax returns. And taxes are one of the great stressors for estate trustees because our uh, legal system has learned that the way to ensure that taxes are paid is to put someone on the hook personally for them. So the estate trustee has personal liability for the income taxes due by the deceased and by the the estate. Uh, so that's that's a pretty big hammer. Now, you know, the first the first tax that has to be paid is a stated min tax, and that has to be paid normally when the probate application is filed. So way back at the beginning. Uh, estated min tax is an unusual tax for us because it's an asset tax. It's basically one and a half percent of your assets in Ontario. And you, and it has to be paid when the probate application is filed. So it's called probate tax or estate administration tax in Ontario. And then there are two other really important sets of income taxes or, and maybe you could divide them in three. So there's the income tax, taxes on the income of the deceased before they died. So they, if they die, for instance, today, then there, someone has to file their their 20, 2022 return for the period up to the date of death. There's then uh, a whole bunch of income in Canada associated with the actual date of death. So what, what we call a deemed disposition, you're deemed to have sold all of your assets on the date of your death. And that crystallizes taxes on a whole bunch of things, even including your house, although we have an exemption for tax on your house. But so capital gains taxes on your cottage are a very real thing. Um, 
And then there's income taxes on the estate. So if you earn money after the death of the deceased, um, then taxes have to be paid on that. So to give you a simple example, if you had a TFSA, uh, it's tax-free up to the date of death. Earnings in that account after death are not tax-free. They're taxable income in the estate and need to be filed and, and paid as such. So you can't just give away the whole TFSA without thinking, hmm, do we need some need to pay some taxes here? So it, it's um, it's like all other taxes. It can it's very it's doable, especially if you know if you're comfortable with the system. You know our system and the system in Ontario, for instance, which is different from the system in all kinds of other jurisdictions. And I was saying to you earlier, gee, you know, you need to make sure that the person you appoint as the executor for any given asset is comfortable with that that legal system so and the language and the forms and how to deal with the the taxes in that place and the taxes in ontario are very different from quebec or from florida and uh, yeah that's that's why it's 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 not a joyful process that's for sure but it's not one that should cause people to to panic it's just like their own tax returns it needs to be done it needs to be weighted through and filed now this is something that obviously the trustee uh will work with the uh surviving uh, folks uh, to make sure that all these things get done and done properly yeah so th- that's a really good way to illustrate though the separation of of rights and obligations the trustee has the both the right and the duty to administer the estate on their own and they can't pass the buck, and they're not also subject to micromanaging. So if you're the estate trustee, you don't normally say to one of the beneficiaries, well, what do you think about this tax return? And you certainly don't say, oh, I need your approval before I file it. Uh, You're welcome to get their approval. You can show it to them, say, gee, mom, we had a lot of taxes due, and here's here's, um, uh, some reporting, and that which I strongly encourage trustees to report. But I, it's very important that trustees realize they're not under the thumb of beneficiaries. They're under the thumb of the courts, and they need to get it done uh, properly. Now let's talk about distribution to beneficiaries um, after the fact. Neil, that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, topic to get into as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, from a purely selfish and greedy perspective, which is pretty important, I mean, lots and lots of people are very concerned about this this part of the process. So it's important to divide it into specific, in, into different buckets, maybe. You know, there's, there's silverware, China, a few pictures, things like that. And the trustee, if the will doesn't say who's getting exactly what or there isn't a um, a memo that tells who's doing what the trustee needs to come up with a system for allocating them and sometimes you draw lots and things like that you use cards or whatever uh, coins to determine who can who gets to pick and 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 just allocate things fairly uh, so that and those things tend to be incredibly emotional, but actually not very financially significant. I mean, there's the odd person has very valuable art collection, but most of us, my dishes certainly aren't worth worth very much. Uh, There are specific bequests. So if the will says to to Dave, $25,000, Dave needs to get $25,000 in almost all cases. If the will says among my children equally, well, then the residue divided among my children equally, then they're to get equal shares of whatever's left after paying all these debts. 
And that's very, very common. So the important phrase there is the residues, and that's what's left after everybody else is taken care of. And those people are entitled to accounting. Um, one of the things that it's really important to stress is that most many trustees get themselves into trouble <laughs> with beneficiaries by not making an early uh, interim distribution. And I talked earlier about liability for taxes and it's and it's real and it's and it it's frightening at times but we don't have 100% taxation in Canada so it's almost never that you're going to say oh i can't give out any money because i might be liable for taxes you know if 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 the whole estate is from the sale of my parents house well then there're probably going to be no taxes so why can't i distribute 50 60% of the estate early uh, and then retain what we call a holdback to protect me from any liabilities that come up later as I continue to work through the tax system. And one of the things we didn't talk about is that at the end of the tax system in Canada, you get a clearance certificate, which is essentially the CRA saying, you're off the hook, you've, pay- you've reported everything, you've paid everything, you can go ahead and distribute. So I strongly, strongly encourage people to make early interim distributions. It it, it it helps keep the peace and it and it's important that beneficiaries see something fairly early in the process while the tax system works its way through. Now let's talk about compensation. How does that work in this case? <laughs> so the presumption in Ontario is that the estate trustee is entitled to reasonable and fair compensation. And there's a rule of thumb, a rough rule of thumb, which is that's about 5% of the estate. Um, so uh, this is often very contentious, people objecting to what the trustee has done. But you have to remember that the courts start from the position that it's this is not a this is not a favor. This is a, a job. This is a hard job with real risk. And can, uh, trustees are entitled to reasonable and fair compensation. But 5%, if you sell a million dollar home and that's all you did and it was an easy sale, well, 5% might seem a bit excessive. Um, but equally, if it's a small, hard estate, you might be entitled to more than 5%. So we certainly see it go down in certain, uh, on, on larger estates and we see the, the rates going down below that 5%. But in order to get compensation, it's very, very important that the trustee have done their job and done it properly. They get paid at the very end. Trustees shouldn't pay themselves early. And then they should provide accounts to the beneficiaries. Uh, which essentially is here with a, a list. It can even be an Excel spreadsheet. Here's 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 what I re- collected. Here's what I paid, and here's what you're entitled to. And if the beneficiaries don't agree to that, then the solution is for the trustee to go to court and get a court order, which we call passing accounts, which is they pass their accounts in front of a judge, and a judge approves or disapproves of their accounts. So it's not really an argument. You don't argue with your siblings about your accounts. <laughs> you try to convince the judge that what you've done is right and fair and true, and uh, and they agree or disagree with you. Ultimately, it's a judge has final approval, final say over whether your your accounts are, are correct or not. Neil Milton is our guest this hour. He's the founder of Milton's Estates Law. Time for another break. We'll be right back on News Talk 580 CFRA. We'll return with more experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
Now back to Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Experts on Call on News Talk 580 CFRA with our guest from Milton's Estates Law. He's the founder, Neil Milton. And we're talking about a number of issues, including the trustee this hour. And uh, before the break, a very interesting conversation as always, Neil. But how does a person know uh, when an account is closed? Well, the interesting thing, Dave, is there's no one tells you that an estate is done. You know, there's no government piece of paper, for instance. You don't get a, a piece of paper with a nice little red seal that says, great, this estate is finished. So when's it finished? When you've done all the work, <laughs> which is kind of a circular <laughs> answer. And when have you done all the work? Well, when you've done normally two things, you've ensured that all the, well, you've ensured all the assets are collected, all the debts are paid, the most important debts in particular being taxes at the end. That you can get a defining endpoint on, and that's a clearance certificate. So with CRA, you file your last tax return, you get a notice of assessment, you pay the last bill, and then you have to apply for a clearance certificate. And it can take four to eight months these days to get a clearance certificate from CRA, which says, you know, you're done here, you're off the hook. And that's why I was emphasizing the importance of interim distributions. You think about it. If you, if, if you died today, you would have a 2022 tax return. It wouldn't be filed until April 2023. Clearance certificate, we're talking about December 2023. So uh, an interim distribution would be a nice thing. Hmm. The other thing that gets you off the hook is the trustee that says you're done here. It's the final distribution to the beneficiaries. And that's normally done in a fashion where you say, here's the money. Here's an account. And I'd like you or here's an account rather. Here's a release. I'd like you to sign a release saying you're satisfied with everything I've done and what you've received from me. And I'll give you a check. And most estates, that's how they end is here's the accounts. Please sign this release. Here's a check. If the beneficiaries either can't or won't or are unable to sign that release, for instance, if they're under 18, uh, then you're going to have to go to court and pass your accounts. And that's when a judge signs off on the accounts. So either a signed release from all the beneficiaries or a signed set of accounts from a judge is when you can breathe a sigh of relief and say, I've done everything and no one can come back after me. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a long process. You have to like, uh, or at least be able to manage paperwork. And that's why I say you need to be comfortable with paperwork, taxes, in and the language of those forms in the jurisdiction you're dealing with. And so it's pretty easy to see that lawyers and accountants can be very helpful. I mean, I never filed the tax returns from the estates I'm doing without involving an accountant to assist me to prepare and file all those tax returns. So it, it's important to use professionals. At the same time, the trustee is not entitled to de- just defer to the professionals. The trustee is the person uh, driving the ship and the uh, accountants and lawyers are the people helping them. And the trustee needs to finish the job uh, themselves. So yeah, it's uh, for some of us, it, it's become, it 
it's quite routine. And for other people, it's really very difficult and traumatic. And that's one of the reasons I think more people more often should think seriously about using independent third parties as trustees. There are lots of accountants and lawyers, even bankruptcy trustees, and certainly trust companies who are in this business. And I strongly recommend more people think seriously about using trust companies to administer their estates. That's they're good at it. Well, you know, that's a that's a very good point, Neil, because I would think a lot of folks say, well, you know what, I've, my brother-in-law would make a good trustee. He would make it. That's not necessarily the way to go. You want to make sure that it's done properly and professionally. Yeah, and that's right. It has to be done properly in a timely fashion by someone who's trustworthy and trusted. And they say maybe your brother-in-law is trusted by some of the family, but is he trusted by everyone? And will he still be trusted two or three years from now? And maybe, maybe he's great. Maybe he's a wonderful person and the perfect choice. But more often than not, I say, especially with the way estate values have gone up, I think more and more people should realize, hmm, uh, you know, every bank has a trust company in Canada and they're a really viable option. And also so too, who are third parties. For instance, I'm not a big fan of the naming the lawyer who drafted your will as your own trustee. I know it happens a lot. I just think it just feels a bit icky to me. Let's talk a little bit about some of the information that's on your website. You've got a great website, Neil. It's chock full of great info covering all of these things. Yeah, and two things that are really uh, helpful, I think, I hope for folks uh, to deal with the issues we've talked about today. There's an ebook on probate, tells you everything you should need to know with the average person about how to get go from being named an executor or thinking you want to probate an estate to be to probating it. And then there's a checklist of executor duties and and a description of what the duties and obligations of a trustee are. So that checklist of duties gives you a good roadmap for okay, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and roughly over what time period. So those are available for free. They're in P- they're on the website. They're PDFs. You can download them. You can print them. I was uh, looking over that uh, 36-point uh, uh, comprehensive uh, checklist, Neil, and i got to say I was really impressed. That covers just about everything that uh, <laughs> most people would need to know. It's most things that most people need to know, which is also the bad news, which is that most people need to know that it's it's not it's not an easy process. It's not it's not something for the faint hearted, but it is. I mean, just as an example, you know, Dave, if you if you don't have the physical capacity to uh, print and use a computer and go to the bank then maybe you're not the right person to be a trustee these days because it's going to be very difficult if you can't handle PDFs. So, yeah, it's uh, anyway, we've tried to put as much free information there as possible for folks who can they can help themselves. And uh, um, yeah, and good luck. You know, I have uh, there are a lot of estates and a lot of people just need help. Absolutely. There are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, different topics Uh, probate is in there, Um, you know, the trustee, the importance of it and uh, a lot of the things that are really good to know, especially when family members are putting their notes together for those difficult end times that are coming. Well, that's right. So I've deliberately tried to write things to realizing that they can be used by all kinds of different folks in different circumstances. And But one of the objectives I had is, you know, if, if the family is maybe a little bit confrontational, if everyone read my website or read the ebook and came to the family meeting, are they all going to have a decent understanding of what needs to be done? I, I'm not picking sides in that. You know, I'm not advocating for someone. I'm just trying to give everybody in the family uh, the kind of information they need at a time when you say people really need to be focusing on 
often on other issues besides taxes and money. You know, they need to be thinking about grieving, grieving about the person who's passed away and about maintaining and hopefully enhancing their relationships in their family. And so a lack of information really breeds uh, concern and conflict. Whereas if everybody's on the same page about what needs to be done, hopefully that helps to reduce some of the conflict. Neil, another fast hour. We are right out of time. Neil Milton is the founder of Milton's Estates Law. Thanks again, Neil. Great chatting with you. My pleasure. Thank you, Dave. You're very welcome. Experts on call on News Talk 580 CFRA. Dave Watts here. Have a great day. News is next.